Super Talk Mississippi media production. Find your new ride at Kia McCombs all-new location at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Come find out why McComb loves Kia McComb at the corner of I-55 and Highway 98. Right on the corner, right on the price. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews. Welcome to Coast View, the show that every single day celebrates the men and women who are making Coast of Mississippi, and Mississippi for that matter, such a wonderful place to live, work, and play. Here we are in this stretch between Christmas and New Year's. It's a beautiful time of the year to, to reflect on the year, to reflect on the people we care about. It's uh, it's a great opportunity for us to sort of live in the moment, and um, I say that a lot on this show. Too often we worry about yesterday and worry about tomorrow, but the one thing that we can really appreciate is this moment, and I think we should probably do more of that, and this is a time of year to think about that. You know, one of the goals I had when I started Coast View back in January of 2020, it's amazing to me, it's been nearly three years, was to have deep conversations with the people who I consider the stalwart leaders in this community, stalwart. I use that word for a reason because I think it captures the essence of the community leaders in coastal Mississippi who are leading by example. When I think about a stalwart leader, I think about someone who is, who's valiant. And in valiant, I mean that they have a lot of courage and determination. And through that courage and determination, they inspire us. And, you know, we're blessed in coastal Mississippi to have a lot of people who do inspire us. You know, at, at the at the core, they're very dependable people. They're they're people that when you ask them to lead, they can really be relied on to lead. They're going to do their the the best they they they've got to make a difference. So they're extraordinarily dependable. I, I like to say that they're steadfast because you know we've been faced with so many challenges in coastal Mississippi. When you have a daunting challenges challenge, you need leaders who are steadfast. And I think, of course, Hurricane Katrina, which I talk about on the show all the time, created an opportunity for us to really truly understand what it means to separate the wheat from the chaff, which is to say we got really crystal clear clarity about who was stepping up and who wasn't. And you know what? In coastal Mississippi, we had a lot of people who stepped up. So we know who the steadfast leaders are in this community. We know that these leaders are loyal, and they have a staunch support for their causes, and uh, they're all involved in a bunch of different things. They're not just involved in one thing. They're, they have a, a commitment to community, and it shows in everything that they do. And they're good people. You know, they're really good people. They're, they're, they generally enjoy being around other people, and they're fun to be around. And generally, they're smart as hell, So, which that really means is that they usually have a quick wit. They're just really, really good people who are funny to be around. I spent time on Coast View with a long list of stalwart leaders in this community. My my, my uh, mentor, uh, Roland Weeks, George Schlogo, who was a great mentor in the community, Jerry St. Pay, the former CEO of Ingalls, who's such a dear friend, John Harrison, who I worked you know, shoulder to shoulder with after Hurricane Katrina, Chavis Swetman from People's Bank, Dave, Dave Dent. I mean, there's a long list of them. I've even had conversations about leaders who made their marks with people like Bobby Mahoney, for example, to tell the story of his mother, Mary Mahoney. And man, what a story that was. Wow. But when I think about the initial list, I had a very long initial list. And uh, there was a name on that list that I was really eager and really looking forward to telling this story and having a conversation on Coast View with. And that was 
Drew Allen of beverage of Allen Beverages. He was on the list because he was a, such a solid member of the community, and, and what he did in the community really was truly inspirational. He really deserved to be there. I had served on a number of nonprofit boards with Drew over a long, long period of time and even succeeded him as chairman of, of a board more than once. But Drew lived by example, and he was truly a stalwart leader in the way I just described it. I loved the guy. I mean, I don't know anyone who didn't love the guy. He was always smiling, always happy to see me when, when we saw each other. But unfortunately, on March the 19th, 2020, Eustace Andrew Allen II, my friend Drew, passed away. His untimely death was a real shock to all of us who knew him well. And uh, it happened at a time when the pandemic was, was ramping up. So there was all this noise of the pandemic. We were all shocked. And uh, I deeply regretted at the time that I had not already had Drew on Coastview. I was sad. I was sad for the community because we lost a stalwart leader. I was I was sad, frankly, that then Drew's death because of the pandemic, all the noise of the pandemic sort of didn't give us an opportunity as a community, as a set of communities to celebrate his life and to to really reflect on his contributions to coastal Mississippi. But like I did with Mary Mahoney, I, I committed myself to, uh, to circle back, and uh, that's what we're going to do today. We're going to spend some time talking about this amazing guy that we all know as Drew. Um, one of us knows him as Dad. But today I have uh, Drew's son, Andrew Allen, my longtime friend, Farrell Allman, and, and, and Reverend Jane Stanley of the Nourishing Center. Uh, as we gonna, We're going to tell not only Drew's story, but we're going to tell about his love of coastal Mississippi. Good morning. How are you guys doing? Morning. Good to see you. Right. Good to see you, Andrew. You know, let's go. Let's go to you first. You know, your dad was born in 1952 in Gulfport. He went to Gulfport East, where Farrell and I went to school. And uh, you know, he kind of blazed a trail in front of us. We always knew who he was because he was just a great guy, even back then. I mean, he was always a great guy. He went to Mississippi State and got a degree in, in marketing and was a member of Sigma Chi fraternity, but. You know, looking back, he really loved Mississippi State, didn't he, Andrew? Yes. Uh, he had the opportunity to be on the board of College of Business. Um, I also, it's kind of funny, I also went to Mississippi State and graduated with a marketing degree as well. But uh, he was on the board of College of Business after I graduated, so he wasn't able, that would have been a real, a real help for, for me uh, while I was there. <laughs> but, um, you know, he... Uh, <laughs> But yes, he he thoroughly uh, loved Mississippi State. Uh, he had season tickets. He had a house in West Point that he built. Um, you know, he he would go every weekend. He would go. He got upset with me because when I had kids, I had them in the fall, and their birthdays would always be on game day. So <laughs> he would have to he'd have to miss he'd have to miss games, and I'd have to explain to him. You know, the TV's going to be on in the living room. You can you can watch the game from home, but. You know, he was uh, a heavy donator to the university, which we continue to do here. And, um, you know, he he believed in the school and he was he was hobnobbing with everybody, the athletic director, the president of the university. He knew he could he could introduce you to anybody you wanted to meet up there. Well, you know, it's interesting because he he sort of um, he, he lived his passion for Mississippi State the same way he lived his passion for just about everything else he did, whether it was the business, Allen Beverages, or whether it was working in the community. 
you know, I, I knew him through goodwill in the chamber, but his activities around the Salvation Army, we'll get to, to Reverend uh, Stanley in a second, but the contributions he made to the Nourishing center, uh, uh, place, uh, so much, so much contribution. When he came back uh, to the coast, he immediately got involved in the family business working for your, your grandfather, Cleve. And when he died in 1991, he became the, the, the president and CEO of that company. And um, But he he was just committed to the community. I mean, it just, it's almost from day one. Was that something your grandfather taught him to, to do and that that was part of your mission? Absolutely. Uh, community involvement and outreach has always been a big deal to the Allen family, uh, especially leading back to my grandfather. I'm sure Mr. Farrell could tell you some stories about his father and and, and my grandfather uh, and the things that they've gotten into as far as the community is concerned. But um, that was always a really, really big deal to him. Um, he he loved uh, being on boards and, and having meetings and figuring out ways that he could use his skill set to help the community, whether it's, you know, using connections to finance certain projects or, you know, using using connections to, um, you know, to help build something. Um, it's he was always dedicated to that as so was my my grandfather so yeah it 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 was it's still a big deal to us yeah and andrew i've seen that that uh, you know in all these i've had over 800 conversations on coastview and and there's this there's this common characteristic usually and that is that there's a generational commitment and it just gets passed down and it's part of who you are that in order to succeed in business you have to be connected to the community like i the way i like to say it is that the more involved you are, the more you are in the trenches, the more you can see what the needs are. And it actually not only enables you to commit to commit to make a difference in the community, but it helps your business in a way that you understand the needs of the community. And it just fits together. And clearly that happened. Your dad really taught you that. Um, hey, Al, if you don't mind, Drew, tell me about your family. Well, I have a brother and a sister. My older sister is Grace Allen. She um, she works with the company. She recently had a child, um, had a little baby boy. Actually, she actually named him Drew. So um, oh, wow. he was he was born on November fifteenth. He's a he's a little over a month old. He's doing really well. So she's on maternity leave right now. Uh, my younger brother is Darby. Um, he lives with my mom. And when he was three years old, he had a traumatic brain injury. So he's. He's nonverbal, but he's still he's still doing well, and he's my mom's his caretaker, so that's her full time job. And you know, we uh we get to see him every week, and I go over there and, and hang out with him, and he's he's doing great, and um you know the family's doing well. Yeah, I know your mother very well, and I remember the accident obviously just like it was yesterday. But that picture we just showed a minute ago that Cal flashed up was it showed that 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 he's a loving young man still, isn't he? Oh, absolutely. Um, I, I think that's probably about 95% of what he is. Uh, yeah. You know, he uh, he's he is a, the sweetest, most genuine person I've ever been around. Um, you know, it, it's and my mom has the luxury of, you know, being being his caretaker and, and seeing him. And my uncle Mark also watches him when my mom has to do certain things. So, you know, we're it's kind of it kind of changed whenever we were kids, when he fell, um, it kind of changed from, it, it entered a dynamic that my dad and mom had to, had to kind of re have a realization that they have a three-year-old who is not going to, not going to have a 100% normal life. So I think it kind of tempered 
certain mindsets and allowed us to kind of uh, unlock certain levels of love that you didn't understand you had. So I think that Darby being Darby is a blessing, you know, so. Well, God bless you for, for saying that, Andrew. It is true that that there's something magical about the resiliency that a family has to come to grips with in a, in a situation like that. And I know through your dad and watching your, your, your father and your mother deal with Darby over a number of years, just how faith and family and understanding sort of the realities of the situation and making the best of it. And not only, like you said, it made your family stronger. So God bless you. God bless you for that. Hey, when we come back, we're going to shift gears and uh, move over to uh, to Reverend Stanley and to uh, Farrell Allman and, uh, and continue the conversation. We'll see you after this as we honor Drew Allen. His love for the coast is why he's here. It's Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. We're having a really special Coast View because I'm 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 doing something I set out to do back in January of 2020 to to honor my friend uh, Drew Allen, who unfortunately passed away in March of that year in the midst of the whole you know, the smoke of the pandemic. And uh, we didn't have an opportunity to really celebrate his life. And so we're circling back now. And that's that's what we're doing today. And I'm thrilled to be joined by his son, Andrew um, uh, Allen, of course, Farrell Allen, my long-term, long-time friend, and Reverend Jane Stanley. And uh, we're, we're paying a tribute to him. So, Jane, when you think about, when you think about Drew, he was really a community machine, wasn't he? Drew was one of the most amazing people I have ever met. Um, I had my first remembered encounter with Drew when he was 10 years old at Westminster Church. I'm 12 years older than he is, but I was a new, newly married woman going to church, and we were in a very small room because the new church had not been built. And Drew was about 10 years old, and after church, we had fellowship, which was delightful. But the 10-year-old class, like all the other children, would come in and mingle, and most of the children were reticent. You know, they were quiet. They were obeying mom, and Drew was just out there. (laughs) I mean, he was in everybody's face, talking to them, asking them things, laughing, uh, my son was six years old at the time, and he had developed this weird, really weird thing he could do with his stomach. As a <laughs> he could take a breath, and then his stomach would blow up like a basketball. And Drew thought that was the funniest thing he had ever seen. He took Neil by the hand, and they went up to the preacher, to the choir members, everybody, and he made Neil perform that awful thing for him. But Drew... Everybody laughed because that was Drew. He saw the humor in everything. And his love was just a light in his eyes and his hands and his movements. He was charming. And I'm sure he was charming from day one. But as the years passed by, we encountered each other through Girl Scouts and Boy Scouts and things like that. But I really got to know the man, Drew when uh, we started the nourishing place. 
and I particularly wanted to put this church in the poverty area of Gulfport, which has always been the Hughes Avenue area. And uh, Drew is very active in his Presbyterian church as we had been. And uh, when he came to talk to me about it, he said, uh, why do you want to do this? And I said, Drew, for some reason, I have a real heart for people who look at other areas of our coast and look at it longingly, like, why don't we have something like that here? Um, and he said, well, I like that idea. So he said, so how are you going to do this? And I said, I don't know. This is God's job. I'm just trying to listen. And so our first church was in a shed. I mean, a literal shed. Um, my son had gotten in trouble and uh, lost what little money I had. And so I lost my house. But I, uh, I bought a shed up on 49 and put it on behind a friend of mine's house and was living there. And when I went to seminary and realized the church was a real possibility, I asked God, I said, where do you want me to build the church? And what I heard was, you're living in it. So we opened the doors to that church in a shed. In our first worship service, there were nine of us there, and Drew was one of them. Wow. When it was over, he came and put his arm around me, and he said, Jane, we're going to make this work. And I said, that's marvelous. That's wonderful. He said, I think it's needed. And uh, so several times after that, he called and said, have you got time for coffee? And I said, sure. So we go meet at McDonald's. And one day we were sitting there and he handed me a check. And he said, um, uh, we had started serving hot breakfast to whoever came. He said, let this check provide food for the Sunday morning breakfast. And Joe's mother-in-law, Joe Kennedy, Drew's mother-in-law, Joe Kennedy, was our cook at the time. And so I didn't look at the check. I just put it in my pocket. But when we got ready to leave, he said, oh, I don't have any cash. Can you buy the coffee? And I started laughing. He said, you know, Jane, it's easier for me to write a big check than to put a quarter on the table. <laughs> <laughs> I can deal with that, Drew. But what impressed me so much about him as the church grew and, and he was instrumental in helping us move all three times. Um, he said to me after church one time, he said, did you look at the congregation? I said, sure, I looked at it. And he said, what pleases me, and he honestly had tears in his eyes. He said, one of the richest men, leader in this community, is sitting in a folding chair with his arm around a homeless man, just like he's known him all of his life. And he said, that's the church Jesus will be in. And from that minute on, we opened the doors to the homeless, to whoever needed just love, acceptance, to sit at the breakfast table with everybody and feel comfortable. And Drew was the one that made everybody feel comfortable. Um, he laughed a lot. He told jokes. He didn't change his behavior. Um, he just was a light. I mean, he would walk in the room and people were thrilled to see him. Um, he smiled all the time. And Drew had a lot of heartache. He really did. And yet he covered it with faith. I don't think I've ever met a man that really lived the life he knew God wanted him to live. 
um, his faith was his faith was evidenced by his actions, mm-hmm. and that is very impressive. I couldn't help but think about the book of Luke and living the book of Luke, and what what that what that meant, and what the nourishing center or excuse me place meant to him. But I saw it in so many of his other, you know, why he's simultaneously having that relationship with you. He's able to sort of file that away and then move on to the Salvation Army. And then he's able to move on to this other organization. And he's able, I don't know how he did that. I don't know how he did this, this ability to make you think at the moment that you're with him, that what you're doing is the most important thing in the world to him in this moment. But to know that he had several things going on simultaneously, but you, he would never have let you know that. He would have never complained that he had too much going on. It's just well, um, his a energy, freshness about him. Well, his energy was endless, as was yeah. his interest. Um, I was working for Girl Scouts one time when um, he donated some Cokes to one of our um events and I wrote him a two-page thank you letter and this was before we got started in the church and he called me one day and he said I can't believe you did this and I said did what and he said you wrote me a two-page thank you letter because I gave four cases of coke to your Girl Scout party and I said of course we like to show our appreciation he said Anytime you need anything, if I get a letter like this, you can have it. But he was so appreciative of people thanking him for being part of them. Not that he was known as just the giver. He was yeah. part of the program yeah. and a vital one, whether yeah. it was Scouts or Salvation Army or his other churches, whatever. He was instrumental in making it work. What I what I what I can see and Harold and Farrell will come to you, but what I can see is when Drew, you know, would approach me, it's as if no one else was in the room. It's only Drew and me. And he's he would look at you with that smile and dead in the eye Mm -hmm. and hold your hand and really want to know how you're doing. But that's just the way he was, isn't it, Farrell? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, that was just that was Drew always. Uh, I had a conversation with a guy in the store that worked for People's Bank, where Drew was a board member, and you know he he said after those meetings, their board meetings, Drew would hang around and go and just visit with the employees there. You know, whereas other board members had to get back to their business or their work. You know, Drew would stay and visit, and just that was just his personality always. Yeah, where your dad, Sam Allman, was iconic in Costa, Mississippi, owned 7-Up Bottling Company. And uh, did you ever feel the competition between the two companies, or what was that connection? No, not not really. Not, there, you know, we were uh, 7-Up and Dr. Pepper, which are, you know, totally different from the cola world. So, uh, yeah, it really wasn't competition, you know. Uh, and, yeah, our families had, had gone back uh, a ways, uh, just knew each other, of course, Christy, uh, his sister Christy was three years older, so you and I were in high school with her. She was a senior and beautiful, still is, and uh, was best friends with your neighbor across the street, Nancy White, our neighbor. Uh, uh, And so there was Christy, and then Drew was five years older, so I always knew of Drew, but, you know, never were close friends. I was probably closer to Christy better than I did Drew. Uh, And then... 
We uh, moved back to the coast, as he did and I did, and you start having children, and we were lucky enough to, I had a son, Farrell Jr., and he had a son named Andrew. And so they became best friends. And through that, that's how we really got to be close. You know, when you have children that are the same age and go to the same school and growing up, it makes it perfect. It makes a big difference. Hey, we're honoring today's very special coach you, Drew Allen, uh, who passed away in March of 2020. And we're honoring him today. We'll see you after this break. Subscribe for free to the Coast View Podcast on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. He's the former president and publisher of the Sun-Herald, and now he's on the radio. Welcome to Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. I have my friend Farrell Allman, Reverend Jane Stanley, and Andrew Allen from Allen Beverages joining me today for a, a really special Coast View as we honor Andrew's father, Drew Allen, who was a dear friend to so many people here in coastal Mississippi as we as we reflect on the fact that, unfortunately, he had this untimely death in March of 2020, right in the right in the throes of the beginning of the pandemic, and through all that, unfortunately, the fog of that, we didn't really get a chance to reflect on Drew and his contributions to Coastal Mississippi. And I made a commitment that he was uh, he was a stalwart leader that would have been on Coastview in just a short matter of weeks. But uh, but he's still going to be on Coastview as we reflect on why he was such a stalwart leader here in coastal Mississippi. But, Farrell, coming back to you, um, you know, so you and Drew formed a relationship. You had kids that were similar, similar size, but you are similar age, excuse me. So you had the opportunity to see his commitment to his business, his commitment to family, his commitment to the community, his love of the outdoors and his you know just genuinely being a fun guy to hang out with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. He, uh, Drew Allen has a depth in his mind of jokes that is unmatched by any other human being walking on this earth. Uh, if, if I had a memory like his to remember names and other things in my life, the way he remembers jokes, he could, he could come up with a joke that could have the whole room rolling on the floor. And needless to say, on our fishing trips out to Chandelier, uh, he could tell him. We, he, uh, of course, he and Dr. Jason Smith were partners on a uh, Grand Banks called the Double Shot, and he loved that boat. And he made several trips to Chandelier and Ship Island. I was lucky enough to be able to go along, if if nothing more than just ballast to have on there. I, I would go along and get to go fishing, and so we would go out on his uh, small little boat, Miss Mary and go out and work the grass beds out at Chandelier. And some days it was good, some days it was bad, but there was always a joke, a, a plethora of jokes that could be told to keep you entertained when the fish weren't biting. But in Drew's case, Drew could find the fish. And, <laughs> it, and, when, uh, and when Andrew and Farrell and, and Grace would come out with us too, uh, we might go off in another skiff and go to Monkey Bio back in the days when it was there. and. I'd take the kids over because they kind of get restless if they weren't catching fish. So we'd go over to Chandelier and I'd fish the surf while they gathered shells and just, just you know, frolicked over there on Chandelier. And Drew would be out by himself fishing and we could always count on a meal for that night, a meal for the whole trip, and a lot of fish to bring home too because he could find the fish. So uh, Andrew, and, and fishing with him on the skiff too. Yeah. 
you wouldn't yeah. catch anything, and Drew could catch them. So he just he had that knack. <laughs> Andrew, uh, you know, did he always have sort of a knack for catching fish? He was yes. He he was the one that you could kind of um, play around a little bit. Um, and as we got older and older, uh, as far as in our teenage years, you know, we could we could kind of just go out on our own in a little tiny skiff, and you knew that whether we caught fish or not, you had, you always had that safety net of him <laughs> making sure that he, you had something to eat that night. Where did the, where, Andrew, where did this repertoire of jokes come from? Um, I honestly, I think that it was, a, he heard them through his relationships uh, with people in the community and he would always log it away. It's like he had a filing cabinet that he would just <laughs> log one away. And like Mr. Farrell was saying, you know, he not only would he be able to tell them well, but his storytelling ability was second to none as well. So he he would not just go straight into the joke. He would he would tell you the punchline. He would tell you what the, the, the character was drinking or eating or, you know, he would set the scene and then he would drop the hammer. And no one enjoyed his jokes more than he did. <laughs> yeah, that's true. I love that. I love the way you say, Fair, I love the way he said, drop the hammer. <laughs> you know, so he he would get more tickled by his own jokes than anyone else around him. And it's kind of like his laughter was infectious. So it got you going just as much as he got him going. Yeah, it's funny. You know, it's funny, Andrew. If you were to talk to my kids, I'll laugh at that because that's I, I, I'm kind of like that too. When I when I tell a joke, to me, it's it's hilarious when I'm telling it because I'm telling it because when I heard it the first time, it absolutely knocked me out of my chair. And they they're so busy laughing at me telling the joke that they sometimes don't even hear the joke. I mean, it's just it's just that's the way it is in my family. But. There was a lot of that in Andrew, though, wasn't it? He just wanted to have fun, didn't he, Farrell? Oh, yeah. Oh, indeed. Indeed. And and uh, back on a, a somber note with him on a fishing trip after uh, Drew passed away, uh, Jason uh, got a trip together with me and, and Judge Bob Walker, and we took some of the ashes uh, of Drew and spread them out at Little Smack at North Island, which was one of his favorite spots. And wow. so uh, yeah. we spread some uh, ashes out there of uh, Drew and had a nice little dedication to him. And uh, uh, anyway, there, there's a whole other story that could take another segment probably of Andrew and how he got the ashes to me, which was a funny story in itself. And, and how Andrew had the ashes and put them in a Ziploc and brought them to me. And uh, anyway, uh, and but yeah, he he's Drew's out there at, at his love out there. But at Farrell, it's interesting. It's interesting. I, I just caught just a little, little segment of the story, but but Drew would have laughed at that. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Yeah, you know, Drew would have had he would have had fun with that. I mean, yeah. and yeah. you know, he. he um, it, it's just so interesting that people like that. I said, you know, I, I opened the show that usually people with that wit are smart as hell. You know, they're able to mm-hmm. kind of store their away as, as Andrew said in their database. And well, they just and, make people laugh, you know? And I, and I do want to brag and say that Andrew has inherited some of that also. Mm-hmm. And Andrew has started a podcast. And if you haven't listened to it, you need to, to, to listen to it because it, it's really, really good. It, Andrew kind of is carrying on that tradition of, of wit and community and highlighting the community and things with this podcast because that's, that's the way to do it. If Drew had had that, had that format, you know, he probably would have done something like that. And, uh, 
So, uh, Andrew, we've just Andrew, we've got to get you to add some jokes, maybe in there on those podcasts. <laughs> hey, Andrew, we'll have we'll have you on. Well, I'd love to I'd love to have you on. We'll we'll do a segment just with you to talk about Absolutely. what all you're involved in, talk about your podcast and all that. That's that's that would be my honor to do that. I'd love to get to know you better. But hey, Jane, yeah, add, I want to add one more thing in his community yeah. service and something that's dear to my heart, which you know about because you interviewed Carolyn Meadows and my wife Rose, who were instrumental in getting the Lynn Meadows Discovery Center. When they were starting, as they call it, their dog and pony show to start fundraising and getting people involved in it, uh, they went to certain, you know, a lot of different, you know, big people on the coast. Drew was one of them, and Drew did not hesitate. He didn't say, "I'll get back with you. I'll think about it." He said, "Drew." They said, "Drew, we're doing this." He said, "What can I do? Tell me what I can do, and I'll write yeah. the check. We'll do it." So, anyway. What- what what I noticed when I when I read I kind of refreshed my memory today reading Drew's obituary. It listed a lot of his involvement, but it it probably didn't even scratch the surface to what he was involved in. Like I knew him through Goodwill Industries, for example, a very long commitment to Goodwill Industries, um, chamber and involvement in the chamber. What we did with the business council, even though it was listed, but the but the involvement was significant. Um, I don't think you can ever capture every contribution a a guy like drew gave because the reality is a lot of people probably don't even know you know what all he gave how often have you thought about that andrew well ricky he he did the reason why he gave is because like miss jane was saying is 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 because he knew it was the right thing to do and he had an opportunity to do the right thing um he wasn't the kind of person that would give just so he could show other people like, oh, I'm, I'm giving people things. Look at me. It wasn't anything like that. A lot of times, like you said, he would give to people and he wouldn't tell anyone. You know, I don't even think that I know how much he did for the community because I'm sure he did some things that I don't even know about. Yeah. You know, so that's that's why he did it. He did it because he was blessed with an opportunity and he graciously gave some of what he was given to others. Without seeking any attention, and Jane, you've nodded many times during this part of the conversation, but you know that he purely that he had a pure ser- servant's heart, don't you? Indeed, he—that's what he lived for—to give back, to love, to serve, and uh, it brought him joy. You know, it's not like he gave grudgingly. He he always offered. I never asked Drew for anything. He always offered first. And what a blessing to us that he did. But he influenced people that other people, like Andrew said, have no idea of the difference he made in this community, what we laughingly sometimes call the hood. He loved to tell people he went to church in the hood. And, and we do, and we're, we're bringing it up. People are, are responding beautifully. And Andrew was the key to that. And he used to say to me, I love to be here in this old, old community. And then he'd laugh, that special laugh of his, and said, of course, I'd like to be in Scotland, too. So, <laughs> he loves Scotland. And he loved yeah. stories and jokes. It's a very special Scottish accent. So he was truly a giver in every way to make people happy, to make them feel comfortable, and to give them the security that God wanted them to have. What a wonderful legacy. What a wonderful. If you were writing Drew's legacy, you probably would use the words you just spoke. When we come back, we'll, we'll have the final segment with my friends here as we as we really honor the life of Drew Allen. We'll see you after this. 
Also listen live to Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on your Amazon Alexa devices. Once you've enabled the skill, just say Alexa. Open Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast. This is Coast View with Ricky Matthews on Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1. Welcome back to Coast View. This special edition of Coast View is we honor the life of Drew Allen, who passed away in March of 2020. But the pandemic was cranking up, and we as a set of communities really never got the opportunity to honor him broadly. Although I have to say, as we were talking during the break, to be reminded that Jane Stanley did his eulogy. We'll we'll talk with her a little bit more about that here in just a second. Uh, So, Farrell Allman, you were talking during the break that Drew was quite a golfer. And you and I sort of lamented that we're not much of a golfer, (laughs) much golfers at all. But he loved golf, didn't he? Yeah, yeah. I I enjoy playing golf. And the few times I would get to play with him, which was rare because in retail, you don't have time for golf. But he, yeah, his reputation, you know, for being a a scratch golfer almost. I mean, he, he, he loved golf. He did. He did play a lot, and that was one of his loves, too, when he went to Starkville, was uh, where his place was in West Point. It was on that, that new golf course they made. So that was that was another reason. It, it wasn't only just the love of Mississippi State football. It was also <laughs> the fact that he could go to Starkville and play golf at his place up there, too, at that wonderful course they have up there. Uh, so, yeah, he, he golf was a big, big part of his life also. Uh, so it's amazing, Jane, that it's been, you know, it's, you know, 2020, March of 2020. In some ways, it seems like it was just yesterday. But Drew leaves a, a beautiful legacy, doesn't he? An amazing legacy that will live for decades. Um, I was blessed to have a very close relationship with Drew for 30 years. And as I said in his eulogy, some days he was my son. And some days he was my brother. And many days he was my father. And I am a different person because of the way he loved. He taught me how to love, too. What a, what, man, what a beautiful thing. I, I mentioned during the break for the listeners that what Jane said at the end of our last segment would be exactly the kind of thing you would want to have on a monument, you know, you know that, w- that would honor Drew. And, and you can add to that what you just said. What a, what a beautiful thing to say about somebody. So, Farrell, as you, as you reflect on Drew and his legacy— you know what? What does what does what do you want people to remember most about Drew? That he was a, a guy that that just truly was who he was. He cared about people. Uh, as Jane can probably give you even more stories, you could just be around him and you knew he always he cared about people. I was on the board for a short time with him at the Salvation Army, and yeah, he truly was a champion of of the people that were less fortunate in order to make sure that, that the opportunities were given to them to make their life better. Uh, and he, uh, always was even tempered, you know, even on, on these fishing trips from hell sometimes where we'd hit bad weather, you know, the world was falling apart around you and the, the boat and everything. And there's a shot of it. And yet he was calm. And, you know, I mean, like, Jesus calmed the waters, Drew could calm the waters in the situation and, and bring, uh, you know, that, hey, we're going to make it. And that's what he did with people, too. 
So, so special, so special. And Drew, you, you, um, unfortunately you kind of thrust into this role as a CEO of the company, but his legacy is around you every single day, isn't it? Absolutely. Um, the, yeah, the way that y'all are referring to how he loved to play golf, uh, he still has a mat. I haven't, uh, moved into, I'm still in my office, the general manager's office. Um, he has a doormat outside of his office that said, I golf, therefore I am not here. <laughs> and so that 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 was kind of his sense of humor. That was kind of how he lived his life, as Mr. Farrell said and Miss Jane, Miss um, Jane said. You know, he he was who he was. He was who he was in every situation, yes. whether it was good, bad, or indifferent. Um, he was a, a lover of life. He loved his community. He loved people, and he loved his family. So, you know, he. Uh, when he passed away, the coast got a little lighter. And, you know, I just think that um, the one thing I always think about when I think about him not being here is that I'd like to get his his take on what's happened over the last two years, because he'd have something hilarious to say <laughs> about what's been going on, because the last two years have been difficult and hard for everybody. Um, everyone has had their own internal struggle. But you know, his take would kind of lighten it up a little bit. And that's yeah, what I you can, you can always count, Andrew, on someone like Drew not to take the events of the world too seriously. And you know, just imagine with the pandemic and the division in America today and all that we've had to deal with, he would have, uh, you know, he would have looked at that and said, you know, that's just noise on the national stage. Let's focus on what we can do locally and the world's going to be a better place. But that's really the way he looked at life, isn't it? Yes, that's that's kind of that's exactly how he was. He um, he kind of just was one foot in front of the other. You know, let's try to have a good time and be good to one another every day. And uh, let's see what we can do. You can't control what you can't control. So let's let's try to see what we can do with what we can't control. So that was kind of his mindset. Well, listen, Andrew, thank you. Those are beautiful words to sort of end this tribute to Drew Allen. It accomplished everything that I hoped that it would ac- accomplish. Um, can I say sorry to Andrew? Yes, go ahead. Andrew, while you're yes, living ma'am. your life, honoring your father is very proud. Thank yes. you, Mary no question about that. Andrew Allen, Reverend Jane Stanley, and my friend Farrell Allman, thank y'all so much for joining me today. It's a pleasure. Absolutely. It was great. Been fun. great God bless job. you guys. Take take care and happy new year to you. Happy New Year. Super Talk Mississippi Gulf Coast 103.1 on Facebook. Facebook.com slash Super Talk MS Coast 103.1. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.